Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. College football, y'all, it's happening. It is a Friday and uh, I am strapped to my desk recording a podcast for your pleasure. Unfortunately, I am flying solo. Uh, Jude uh, hasn't built up enough brownie points to the wife to break away from the dinner table since he's been gone all week. And Brad is still trying to uh, to make it big in real world. So I do have a guest tonight. Carter Carls from the South Bend Tribune is on the road. Uh, Going to see kind of a maybe a bit of a big game tomorrow. Uh, Carter, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I think it's a big game. Uh, <laughs> Texas A&M Clemson. I don't know if you've heard of those teams, but they're um, they're playing this weekend, and <laughs> we'll see how that one, goes. One of one of them's purple, right? Yeah, I think so. One's purple, the <laughs> other's kind of purple. Mar- maroon is red or purple. I, I don't really know what color it is. So, <laughs> well, if y'all and I do mean y'all didn't know, Carter is a an A and M alum, and uh, so he gets a special treat this week with the bye week. Gets to go uh, see a, a really good football game, or what should be, or it's a big matchup between the Aggies and uh, the Clemson Tigers. So going down to Death Valley, get to see people running down hills, gonna see something about rocks, uh, gonna see a lot of orange, I imagine. So pretty psyched for this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I had some, I actually, so I flew into Charlotte tonight and I, I was, I got in the mood immediately. I ate Bojangles for dinner. Um, so I'm, I'm here. I mean, I have arrived. <laughs> so Bojangles, that that's kind of the Carolina thing. So I, I'm, I'm Absolutely. completely in the mood now, yeah. All right. Well, hey, speaking of food, so we're, we're going to definitely talk about uh, A&M Clemson. But the first thing I want to talk about tonight is this cultural appropriation of Notre Dame by the fast food community. What the hell? Uh, you know, we we saw yesterday uh, Rudy transferred, uh, you know, to a, to a chicken school in Kentucky. Um, and then this Chuck E. Cheese news about, uh, listening to, go ahead, Car- explain it, Carter. Cause you, I think you were the one that, uh, that ended up gathering up all the, uh, the Chuck E. Cheese bits. Yeah. It's, it's a weird story. I don't even, I don't even know how it happened. The full story <laughs> is, is this, um, <laughs> so me and four other coworkers drove to Louisville in a van down by the river, uh, four-hour four <laughs> drive, and, you know, uh, we got to pass this time somehow, and I'm probably the biggest goofball of the group. How uh, early did you guys get down there? I got down there at 3, and I was hanging out in, the, in, the, in my car, in the AC, in the parking lot. Like, Pete Byron was like, they were the only ones in the parking lot at the time, and they're doing the same, <laughs> same thing. Then, but somebody <laughs> said you guys had gotten down there even earlier. Yeah, we got there at like one, but we got dinner or we got lunch and we kind of hung out a little bit and then we headed in three, three or four, probably four or five hours early. Um, but, but yeah, we left fairly early from South Bend and I wanted to be able to pass the time, keep things exciting. No one was going to go to sleep and for some reason we didn't have the radio on. So I said, okay, well, how about I'll play entertainer and, uh, tell these guys some jokes, lighten the mood, you know, keep it fun. They didn't laugh much, but I was having a good time. (laughs) And uh, it took a dark turn because I was sharing, they were wanting me to share a fun fact every hour. 
And so I was running out of ideas, and then I remember, oh, wait, there's this Chuck E. Cheese one I remember that I saw from Twitter the other day. If you don't know, Chuck E. Cheese, take your kids there. It's horrible pizza. Uh, you probably won't have a good time if you're older than eight years old. Um, I was terrified of the mouse growing up, so I never wanted to go there. But, but they still uh, serve beer there, though, right? I think so. I mean, See, there I, used to be like a show. There used to be like Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese, and then I right, and I could be wrong, but I thought there was some kind of weird mouse bear merger, and where the uh-huh. where the mouse became the boss, um, and so it was all Chuck E. Cheese. Now, I I went to the one in in uh, South Bend a couple of years ago for a niece's thing, and that was the first time I had been to one, and probably. Uh, 20 years maybe even more I, I remember them when i was a kid you know and i'm old as shit uh <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and i remember how, how kind of terribly frightening uh it was back then it was i mean i would hide under the table i mean i could watch any scary movie and be fine but when i saw that mouse i'm hiding under the table i'm crying With those dead eyes it's just I mean, staring yeah, at you i'm like if you look them in the eyes you turn into stone that i think that's a rule so yeah i mean so what's even worse is the guy's backstory um he has this backstory of it's it's all over the internet but it's like it's basically says that he grew up as an orphan um which you know to really lighten the mood I, i told the guys in the van orphan means both of your parents are dead uh so yeah that's a really sad story and because both of his parents are dead um, he doesn't know what his birthday is, which, I mean, how sad is that? Like, what a story. And then that so terrible. he goes into this business and he creates this band t- to, like, um, I think, lighten the mood for kids and let them feel appreciated on their birthday. So I guess it has a positive turn, but I'm still kind of heartbroken for the, the scary little mouse and so we talked about that. They thought it was weird. They were like, what are you even talking about, Carter? Like, get out of here. And so the next day, Eric mentions it on Twitter. And he's like, oh, do you have any Chuck E. Cheese facts to tell us? Because I asked, I asked the Twitter, like, hey, uh, we're accepting questions for our podcast. And so he asked about Chuck E. Cheese. Well, it's not like Eric even added Chuck E. Cheese. He just said it. And I guess the Chuck E. Cheese Twitter account decided to like search their name on Twitter. And then he started tweeting all these like pro Notre Dame stuff at us <laughs> and was like, yeah, uh, we slapped the sign. We, we slap uh, play like a champion today before every concert. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then he keeps going. And like, then all these people start seeing it and they're like retweeting him and saying, wow, I'm going to Chuck E. Cheese tomorrow. Like, oh. <laughs> it's it's your new game day destination. It. And but here's where it took the turn because I, I thought this was amazing. I'm like, okay, whoever's running this social media account's a genius, but maybe the guy is actually a Notre Dame fan. Maybe this is the owner operating the account. So I reached out and I'm like, hey, I don't know who you are, but <laughs> I want you to come on our podcast. And the guy's like, he's like, oh, well, um, I will only go on if you give me VIP tickets to a game. I'm like, what? <laughs> he started to big time me. And I'm thinking, what? Dude, it's Chuck the Cheese. I yeah, mean, he's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, what? So, yeah, you're an orphan. <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Oh, is it because your parents can give you tickets? I mean, 
it got real dark. <laughs> we just got really dark. We're gonna, but we're take this twist right down there. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, we we took it there. Um, but holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I was like, he, I just got big time by Chuck E. Cheese, who, by the way, goes by Charles. I, Charles I Entertainment. We've talked a lot about Chuck E. Cheese on this podcast already. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you might, you might be like the third Google search here pretty soon when it comes to Chuck E. Cheese. Oh so no! But uh, the other one, you know, was the KFC thing, Carl. Let me ask, this is something you guys have, uh, you, you ask every recruit when they come in, how many times have you seen Rudy? So I swore to myself when I took this job that I would watch it again. Oh. I have not. I'm the youngest of three boys, so I have seen so many movies, iconic movies, when I was like four years old, and I can't remember them at all. I watched Rudy when I was probably four, and I barely remember a thing like i uh, <laughs> for real i i didn't even connect the dots when uh when sean astin was in stranger things i was just like oh this guy's kind of uh, goofy and then oh, I was like, no. oh wait he's rudy wait wh- what <laughs> like it took me a while i mean i it really has been that long since i've seen it but i'm I familiar think Liam Eikenberg was the one that went on twitter and was like that ain't bob that's rudy <laughs> are yeah. you surprised are you surprised by the you, you know even if you don't remember much of, of the movie at all, you know, obviously there is the the real Rudy and then there's movie Rudy who is the real Rudy. Um, <laughs> in many people's eyes. But that's, that's what I'm asking. Are you, are you surprised by how much Notre Dame fans love Sean Astin's version of Rudy more than the actual Rudy himself? Are you surprised by that? And does, do you find that strange? I guess I haven't really liked, studied that dynamic or seen it i mean i, I know oh, people love on. him i know people love him but like i feel like you see that kind of in the acting world where like um there'll be a character you'll hate and that character in real life is getting like crap from fans because they're like oh we hate you and it's like well i'm just the actor what are you talking about like well, i feel like that kind of they did it to dan divine and rudy right, right. And they made divine out be out such an asshole yeah because he kind of needed yeah. that then he he wasn't that bad. You didn't talk to everybody, you know, a lot of the, you see a lot of the interviews with the former players and they're like, no, that was kind of a bad rap. Yes. <laughs> and he took one on the yes. chin there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's Hollywood. They're going to spin it to make it more interesting. They're going to, they want that kind of antagonist to make I just it. Think, I think KFC was just deliciously devious in all this. You know, oh, you, yeah. you got Chick-fil-A and Popeye's and in this, iconic war of the chicken sandwich going on over here, you know, and you got KFC who's, who's basically granddaddy, you know, of, of the yeah. fast food, you know, chicken market. And you know what? And so what do they do? They go and appropriate the culture of the, of one of the bigger, most popular, whatever you want to say, most storied uh, blue chip college football program there is in that's Notre Dame. <laughs> and not only that, but you, they were smart enough to get movie Rudy instead of, instead of just real, like they knew, like they, they knew which one was obviously more popular. I mean, I, I just think, I think KFC right. just kind of came in the house and stole one. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I mean, who would have thought that world war three would not be between <laughs> countries, not between 
enemies. It's it's chicken restaurants. I, I mean, think we, it was. I think Demolition Man, right? <laughs> it ends up being Taco Bell is going to have the best chicken sandwich. Oh my gosh, I, I'm all here for it. Hey, better competition <laughs> means better product. I, I'm ready. Let's let the games begin. <laughs> Look, it, it's just been a, a bunch of weird Notre Dame references or or things just kind of lately. So. Maybe that's a good side. Maybe, you know, having a couple of, of decent winning seasons in a row uh, kind of backs you up. You, you got Feinbaum on, on ESPN talking <laughs> back, but not really even meeting it. And then <laughs> yeah. back down because he, you know, because he is who he is. So actually, I, I got to respect him for, for standing on that hill just for the hell of it. Uh, <laughs> you got to respect a guy who just goes on the on the radio or on TV just to flat piss people off. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's team chaos always wins. It's it does. It, it does indeed. <laughs> Speaking of chaos. So, you know, what were your, let me get your, your 30,000 foot basic overview thought on Notre Dame Louisville on Labor Day. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought that as many week one games go is a sloppy affair. But I wasn't mm-hmm. as quick as some people were just to brush it aside as a sloppy affair. There was reasons why a lot of that was slop. Um, right. And a lot of things that, you know, that are concerning. But what was your, what was your general view of, of, uh, of Notre Dame uh, that night? Yeah, there were, there were concerns on both sides of the ball. But when I came out of the game, I had to keep reminding myself, look, like this is the first football game that has been played by Notre Dame in – eight months and it will be easy to overreact and, you know, take all these conclusions out of the game. The fact is there are a lot of unanswered questions. There are still, there's still room to grow. This team is far from its ceiling. Um, It's just whether it can get to its ceiling is the question. So um, a lot of the concerns that I had going into the game were still concerns coming out of the game, like linebacker play, um, I think everyone was pretty shocked with how Ian Book looked, but uh, I don't think that's what he's going to look like all season. I think the I didn't really get to the point of being too concerned with the offense until Jafar Armstrong. Uh, it was announced that he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Um, I just think that having three starters out and um, the fact that Jafar Armstrong might have the the he doesn't might have he does have the best breakaway speed of those running backs might have, be the only running back with breakaway speed right uh, among that group when uh, Sebo Flemister is the next name that that people mention as being the uh, the fastest back left basically uh, a guy who just is not going to get the carries then yeah we're there's not a whole lot of speed left there yeah not good and and another thing that kind of stood out to me that I don't know a lot of, if a lot of people have talked about um, just the, the short passing game was not efficient, but I think uh, maybe a reason for that was the fact that Chris Fink is playing outside receiver. I just I don't know if he's a, a, a proper fit there. You know, he moved from the slot to outside when Michael Young got hurt and you saw kind of the impact. He had one catch for two yards um, and, and this is someone that thrives off one-on-one matchups, getting linebackers covered on them one-on-one, um, 
exploiting mismatches and on the outside that that's you know on the far side of the field where Ian Book's not going to go as often uh, that that's not going to be uh, an option as, as frequently as they as they need it to be. Right, so, that's your that's your Michael Young, um, Kevin Austin uh, side. <laughs> yeah, now, you know I guess what don't you think it would? I guess it makes more sense to me for. And maybe I'm wrong here. I, I I don't know. I don't know who's right or who's wrong in all this because I, I there's just so many unknowns. But wouldn't putting Chase Claypool back over there, keeping Fink in the slot, and then sliding somebody else in a Claypool spot? I I just I don't know. I guess I, I'm maybe they don't know either. I mean, I don't know the right combination because there's been mm-hmm. there's so many parts out. But you know I. I never heard or seen that as a as a possibility, which kind of struck me as a little odd. I mean, I think you would want to at least explore the different, you know, different ways you can go about it. Because look, the the loss was, you know, with Young and Austin out, that's a big hole on that one side. And moving Fink yeah. out, you're just you're, you're taking your best slot receiver and getting rid of him. I mean, so you're getting rid of like. So those two positions, the two best guys aren't playing in those positions anymore. That's that's an even bigger loss. Yeah, I think the reasoning for it was, hey, Chris Fink is a smart enough player. He's experienced enough where he knows what every position is going to do. He can handle that. Right. And then Lawrence Keyes, with the exception of Kevin Austin, Michael Young, he's their third best receiver now. He's the third best active receiver. So they thought, okay. Let's get the best combination on the field, and Chris Fink will figure it out. But I don't think it's as simple as that. Having Chris Fink in the slot uh, is his is his best option. He's the second best receiver on the team, and putting him on the f- that far side of the field, you're just not going to have him involved as much. So, and I got to tell you, I think some someone I was working on that night, and I never end up, I never did end up writing the story. Um, and there just wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bone, but. I and I, asked, and I asked Book the question, and he gave a, a typical response. So I really didn't do much. But I just kind of think that in a lot of ways, I think Book was kind of confused. I, I think that added to the confusion or the mm-hmm. the misplay of Ian Book was the guys in the different spots. You know, seeing Fink there instead of in the slot, I I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm reading way too much into it. But there was just so much new out there. You know, they had three three guys catch a ball for the first time. Um, in their collegiate careers in that game, you know, you, you got guys playing out of it in a new position. I mean, Claypool's in a new spot too, on top of it all. Yeah. So I just, I just thought there was a whole lot of new and a whole lot of different things going on where once book felt a little bit of pressure, like something that kind of felt like it would be automatic last year, absolutely was not automatic on Monday night. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I think it might just have to do with two simple things. The first game of the season, it's going to be rust. And then the second, it's Scott Satterfield. It's, it's a brand new regime. It's a brand new defense. They were having to study Appalachian State film. Right. Uh, so maybe it's just the fact that he didn't really know what to expect, and it, it took some time to adjust. Now, um, I think it's perplexing that he didn't attempt to pass beyond 20 yards. 20 yards, yeah. Um, I mean <laughs> – and then there's a, a couple other things that concern me, like uh, short down and distance. It seemed like a lot of the play calls were geared to have these uh, slower developing runs, um, and, and they, they weren't successful, obviously. 
No, because um, it took him a half hour to get for the running back yeah, to get up to the line. Exactly. And, and then um, the fact that there just wasn't enough high percentage, easy throws for Book, I think, threw him off where, you know, I mean, without, without Chris Fink in the slot, there wasn't much. And then I think having Jafar Armstrong out, and having Kyron Williams kind of be benched after dropping that first pass, it, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have those. Oh man, Kyron took some footsteps on that one. That, that that was not a good look for Kyron. Kyron Williams in his first uh, college football game. <laughs> I think he'll bounce back. Oh, I, mean, I think so. Fr- I think so too. But I, I feel bad for the kid because right. you know his nerves are probably going all over the map, and then he does something completely that I've never seen. You know, watching any kind of highlights or film on Kyron. You know, it happens. It happens to everybody. I don't care who you are at uh, any level. There's a there's a time in some game somewhere where you hear the footsteps. Look, you're just you're not wanting to get sent to the hospital. It's going to happen at some point. Just happened for Kyron right yeah. right off the bat. They they really need Kyron to step up because I think um, out of all the healthy running backs now, he brings the most versatility. Um, maybe Tony Jones does as far as what he can do at every Kyron's single different more, thing. A little but, bit more juice than, than Tony though. So, yeah. But, so but, I, I think, I think you're more correct in that. Right. Like Tony can do everything above average, but Kyron brings a versatility in that he can line up in the slot. You don't see Tony do that as much. He can run routes. He can uh, catch the ball at an elite level. Maybe not in the first game, right. but I really think he's got good hands and he's going to prove that. But of all the receivers, or of all the running backs, Jafar Armstrong and Kyron Williams are the most equipped to operate in the slot. We saw it time and again in preseason camp. And with Jafar Armstrong down, they need that versatility. Throughout preseason camp, they were lining up in two and three running back sets. If Kyron can't step up, they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, that was a big will. issue for them because they figured, I mean, they figured Jafar, Jafar was a big part of the offensive game plan for the season. As far as what they wanted to do, not just running the ball, running the ball, different formation sets, you know, kind of a lot of different things, especially helping out while Komet is hurt uh, and off Jafar was going to have to play a bigger role even then. So, yeah, when he went out, it just seemed like it all <laughs> like, yeah. oh, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> I know. Well, hey, let, let, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know. To, to, to recap that, yeah, Tommy Tremble, Kyron Williams, those are the two players that not many people have heard about, talk about, but they have a ton of versatility. And if Notre Dame wants to have a balanced offense, have a multiple offense, those are two guys that will really need to step up. So speaking of Tommy Trembles, just real quick here, uh, my tweet is aging well. I, I think I tweeted something about a, a month ago about uh, Tommy Tremble catching the game-winning touchdown against Georgia in his home state, uh, and something about get me getting a tattoo uh, on my stomach that says Tommy Tremble. <laughs> Tommy Tremble's here. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that's a if that's a win-win or not. <laughs> yeah, a little overboard, but I, yeah. I like the I like the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go down in flames with that one. So <laughs> what, what, <laughs> one other thing before we uh, completely move move on, because look, I mean, this game is far in the past now, uh, being a few days ago, Look, it was a 20 hour work or work day for me. I got, I got back to right. back home at six that morning. I was 
stupid the entire next day. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I went back and realized some stuff I did late was completely screwy. Uh, so it was Labor Day just messed me up. That was, it was yep. <laughs> that was a whole mess. But let me ask you this: You look around college football, and you look at a lot of these—I don't want to say middle-tier programs, but like like teams that are on the cusp of competing for their conference, like the division champ title, uh, you know, in the Power Five. You see a lot of guys, you know, like, you know, whether whether the three stars or four stars or whatnot, but they're kind of lightly recruited, but just like guys with like pure speed. I think you, you, we saw it on the field against Louisville. Louisville had guys with pure speed with the football in their hands. They were able to to do something, you know, again, you know, against Notre Dame, who's, you know, to go down the roster. There's a huge talent disparity, but you didn't right. see that in terms of speed. So, I mean. What did, I mean, what is so different for that Notre Dame can't use the guys that they have with speed in certain roles? I mean, and I was I was the guy in the offseason shouting down everybody shouting about Braden Lindsay. But at the same time, I'm watching you watch it goes on around college football. Like some teams, like that's what they got. If Braden Lindsay was at like Illinois right now, he'd be killing it. I I, I like say that he's gonna be an all-American or anything like that, but he'd be a he might figure into a big part of their offense in a bunch of different ways. Even a guy like uh, you know freshman Kendall Abdurrahman, maybe. I mean, just guys with speed. Coaches around the country are figuring out how to use when they're going up against better competition. Why do you think Notre Dame just? I don't want to say refuses to get to that point where they're just they want just throw in the guys and see what they can do with the ball in their hands. It just seems like they're so, they're oh and it, just being a fan for they're really hesitant in that regard. I don't know. I mean, I think I think they're doing better in that regard in terms of recruiting because uh, you know we've written about this before. Autry Denson was a really good uh, developer of running backs, but no running back has still lost a fumble since yeah. November of 2015. Right. I mean, so he was a great yeah. running back coach. He, he had Terrible. Josh Adams um, outperform his ranking. Uh, I mean, he, he he did a good he did a fine job. But in terms of recruiting, in terms of getting those four or five star guys, it, it wasn't great. And Lance Taylor came in, and what did he do? First few months, he got Chris Tyree, who at the opening <laughs> had a four three seven forty. I mean, he, this is a guy who told me he literally said, "Oh yeah, like." I felt rusty before running a four three seven. I think I can run a four three, and my my jaw dropped to the ground. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Like, uh, <laughs> and and then I think Jordan Johnson has that sort of speed. The 2020 wide receiver right. commit, uh, Landon Bartleson might have that speed. Xavier Watts is in that four four territory. So I think they're getting there. And the important um, thing is none of them are from Florida. So we don't have to worry about the, the <laughs> annual Florida suspension. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think Matt Bayless is doing a – I mean, he's doing a great job in terms oh, yeah. of developing these guys and getting them I guess my, up. my complaint isn't so much – I think they have speed. I just – I question the fact I, – I just sit in here – just especially after that game Monday, I question how they're using it. Like, isn't there a, isn't there a few times it, – it, it's – Look, it's early in the season, right? We're get, we're just game yeah. one going into a bye week. Right. But I just I want to see them at least try it a, l- a little bit more than what I think I've seen them 
do in the past. Just like put the put the ball in the kid's hands and see what he can do. I don't care if it's against Chump State or if it's against Alabama. What you know, take take your pick. I just kind of want to see what some of these guys you know that can blaze what they do with the ball in their hands in a game. Um, and I, I just feel that that happens elsewhere, not so much in Notre Dame. It, it it's a little bit surprising to me because it was a it was it felt like it was like that for Kelly at Cincinnati. So I don't I don't know I don't know. There's one play from preseason practice that really stood out to me. It involved Braden Lindsay and Kyle Hamilton, two guys that everyone might talk about. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a, this is a, uh, a Kyle Hamilton podcast, by the way. Uh, okay. There we, Shout there out we go. to Greg. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Braden Lindsay, they're in one-on-one drills. And basically the receiver's given the advantage because they can just do all these double moves one head right. fake and boom, you're open. You just need one tick of space and, and you, you got to catch. Well, what Braden Lindsay has struggled with is um, he, he struggled with his hands, getting, you know, catching, catching balls. I think he has a problem with, but one of the big things is, is just how he comes off the line, how he deals with jams, how he deals with contact blocking, all those sort of little details, just the strength aspect of being a receiver. Well, he came off the line and about three yards into his route, Kyle Hamilton basically picked him up. I mean, he was, he was going to jam him, but in doing so, he basically picked him up, lifted him up, and like threw him to the ground. And Braden basically was going to just walk off the field uh, looked pretty defeated about it, and the coaches got mad right. at him. They said, "I know you. You need to finish the route." And so he <laughs> finished the route, and Kyle just easily swatted down the pass. I mean, it could not have been more defeating, and they had to do push-ups for it. But I, I say this story to just kind of illustrate that. Right. No, I. It, it's not just speed. Like you got to have the strength. You can't be 170 pounds. I think Braden has taken a big leap from his freshman year as, as far as strength. As far as confidence goes, I think he is close. But to be an every-down receiver, you've got to be able to block. You've got to be able to deal with that kind of jam and all those sort of little things that see. That, I think that's what, that that kind of goes to my point, or maybe it goes against it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for Braden Lindsay to be a wide receiver right now. I'm looking for them just to throw his ass on the slot, bring yeah. up some jet sweeps a few times. I mean, just literally, if you have to, like. Throw, gut it, put that thing right in his gut, and then let him go. Like just sure, let yeah. him run and see what happens. See what happens with the blockers ahead of him. You know, you could do it twice a game. I'm just that just no, that I dynamic. Think that's a good point. I did. I did, I understand. I understand all the 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 wide receivers. I mean, stuff absolutely, and that's been the knock on him since he got there. The the whole size yeah. thing. But the way I'm looking at it is I'm looking at all these other programs across the country and what they're doing with their undersized guys, uh-huh. and, you know, that, that, that couldn't, you know, be a wide receiver, you know, on, out on the edge. Well, yeah, they're, finding, I, they're finding a way to just get the guy the ball and just see what he can do. You know, it's different with the yeah. kicker turn now with the rules. I just, I don't know. I just, I wish that that there was, and maybe it will at some point this season. I don't know, but I think, one or two or three plays in the game, at least it gives somebody else, it makes the defense have to prepare for them at one point. Or, you know, you're breaking a big one. Even if it's against a lame opponent, you know, even if it's against yeah. New Mexico, hey, you just saved the, you just saved your starters maybe six, seven snaps because he just took it, 
yard because he's just twice as fast as every guy out in the field on the opposite side. So, Book did not uh, attempt a screen pass all game, uh, and that that is pretty pretty insane when you think about what he can do, God, how accurate he is, short intermediate. So, yeah, it was weird. I mean, I think if just, maybe no, Chris Finks no in deep. the slot. What were you saying? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, my mind is just blown completely how <laughs> weird that game was. I mean, I, I mean, it was just, weird. when you look at like, you know, the stuff going on with Aquara and, and Kareem, you know, jumping uh-huh. off sides and then really not doing, not being productive like we had thought they'd been. I mean, they're just, Mm-mm. there was all that. Well, let's, let's get past Notre Dame Louisville. Let's, yeah. I'm going to put, I'll put Braden Lindsay in the back of my mind again. Um, <laughs> I, it just is weird. I, it, that, that's how weird that game was. It's got me turning about face. You know, I was shouting down everybody that <laughs> that was bringing up Braden Lindsay in the offseason. Like, bye. And then here I am like, hey, man, what, it, uh, what about Braden Lindsay, yo? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what you got going on, man, this weekend. You, you, uh, you get to Uh-oh. step out of, the, out of the press box shadow, uh, cut off a T-shirt, uh Crack open some white claws. Uh, you're gonna go have some fun, right? It's it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't even know how many of my friends will be there, but I'm gonna. I don't even know what we're gonna do. Well, basically, what we. You guys travel deep. I mean, how big's yeah. how big's your how big's your school click? You got about 15, 20 guys. Uh, with what? Oh, oh, you, you're talking about just my friends coming to the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you guys roll pretty deep like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard. I saw Barrett Sally. I think he's with CBS Sports now. He was he was tweeting that he was at the Atlanta airport, and they said literally everyone in the Atlanta airport was wearing maroon. So it sounds like there's going to be a lot of people from A and M there, which will be pretty cool. But yeah, it'll be. I, I can't wait. So the way my family does it, we we intentionally show up to games without tickets. And people think we're lunatics for it because it's like, what if you don't get in? Well, we've always gotten in. We scalp tickets. We try to, you know, make some money off of it. And uh, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But it's kind of a fun thing. You get to kind of like get to know people at tailgates. You get to see the whole crowd, experience the whole game day thing. And so we've done that. We've gone to so many different view, uh, venues while I was growing up. So, um, I've never been to Clemson. A&M played Clemson in like 2004, and uh, and that was a really crazy game. So, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Hell yeah, dude! They're they're, they're really. I mean, they're honest to God. It's nothing better than than a big time college football atm- atmosphere. Which is why I always always will shout down anyone who wants a neutral side game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. would, you, would you would you rather this game be in? I guess I won't say Dallas, but how about how about Nashville uh, as opposed to going into Death Valley? I mean, there's just something about going yeah. to to the enemy's territory. Yeah, and there's a camaraderie with your fellow fans. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, it's good. There's there's right. really nothing for me. There's nothing better, and it's why, you know, for home games even I mean, I drop my shit off in the box, and then I'm I'm out in the parking lot. You know, I'll <laughs> whip up a couple stories of for pregame, and then I'm out. Out until about an hour beforehand, I'm like, all right, we're ready to roll. Uh, it's just, it's too good of an atmosphere to not be around. 
yeah, as a fan, you, you love going to the college venues, but as a media person going in the press box, well, the food's a little better. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for next year for Notre Dame because seven different pro stadiums. Are you kidding me? And, and when you go to a pro stadium press box, they treat you like a king. I mean, they basically do everything except massage you. They give you <laughs> popcorn. They give you sodas. They give you uh, like gourmet meals. And I'm just like, okay, like I guess I'm eating four dinners tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's a big difference than what Louisville. I, I won't say I was disappointed in Louisville, but I was a little disappointed in Louisville. <laughs> yeah, it, it was okay. I mean, Man, I came down with food. a big ass headache. Huge really? headache. It's scalding out, right? Oh, and uh, when I was walking up, the guy there was a Louisville fan making a joke at me, saying, "Because I was, you know, just wearing a button up and, and pants and making a joke about long sleeves." I'm like, "I'm like, ah, oh. they're like, you guys got AC in the press box, right?" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So we were making a joke about that. Then I get up there, find out I'm sitting outside. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know you were outside. Oh yeah, dude, I was on the camera deck. Oh, they, no. they had a little. You didn't know that? They yeah. had, that's, I was pissed. And I was like walking around like steam cut out of my ears. I wasn't sure if it was because I was so mad or because it was so fucking hot outside. But there was that. When you go down that on that the side, you go down those steps and out, go to the right past the cameras. There's like this oh, little ledge with a table, a real skinny table. And they got all these chairs. And then there's bar stools behind us, like wow. on a platform. Guys, just to sit. There's guys sitting back there with that. They didn't have a power strip out there for a for the longest time, it was like nothing. And it was scalding. I'm wow. like, what the hell am I supposed to do out here? Okay, so... so but, oh, yeah, keep going. No, I said, but, you know, I am I am one of those people that bitch hardcore about Notre Dame not opening up the windows through, like, the Michigan game last year. Oh, yeah. Letting the crowd noise in, just feeling that, you know, it's hard. It's You know, you know it's hard to feel the energy of the stadium and the, of the game flow when it's so damn quiet, you know, you can, you can hear you know, your hair grow. Uh, so it wow. was nice being out in that, especially, you know, kudos to Louisville for, for showing up in that first quarter um, because, you know, they had their record attendance with many empty seats uh, rocking, you know, so it was a good feeling. The temperature dropped a little bit. It was, it was, ended up being fine, but I was worried that, look, I had a huge headache. I did not want to sit out there and sweat my ass off and, and you know, have to type with wondering how I'm going to keep my phone charged and, Laptop charge with no power strip, and yeah, and then the food was a little questionable. So, <laughs> well, my worst game experience was 2015 covering Texas A&M at TCU baseball, Fort Worth, Texas, June Super Regional, 100 degrees outside, and the game goes 16 innings. Dear God, 16 in the hottest weather. You can imagine. And, and we had, they, there was like three seats in the press box, basically. So they had us basically put these little chairs and just seat us in the stands, basically. And uh, <laughs> so we were melting <laughs> the whole time. It was, it was a, well, it was a real now, bonding now experience. Now you feel like a chump. Like I, like I was, no. like I was being, <laughs> being a little weak there complaining. That, oh no, I, I get it. I mean, talk about that Texas heat. That's that's nothing to screw around with. <laughs> well, going back to what you said <laughs> 16 about sixteen innings, my God. Yeah, going back to what you said about Notre Dame. I remember 
my first, that was my first game covering Notre Dame was Michigan. That was my first time at Notre Dame Stadium. And I didn't know that the walls were soundproof and all that. Like in the A&M press box, it's not as soundproof, but it's not open. So you hear a lot of the noise. So I assumed it was kind of the same makeup. And so I was like, gosh, Notre Dame, like their fans are so quiet. Like what? this is Michigan. This should be like a huge deal. And then we go to the sidelines for the last five minutes and I'm like, okay, um, either everyone just grabbed a microphone while I went down or <laughs> that's soundproof. Cause <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it's re- I was shocked. I'm, cover the Miami Ohio game at five o'clock. And I, I tell that story a lot to people about, about uh, dozing off in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and that son of my, and that son of my eyes, you know, had had a, had a few drinks before I got to the box, and you know, just kind of end up closing my eyes and eating some keyboard. Um, it's just so damn quiet, you know, in there that you're just like, God, you know, the, you got they have those windows up there they can crack open to to let air and and noise in, but uh, they choose totally not to, uh, which is unfortunate. So, um, so look, look, let's get back to A and M Clemson here. All right. I want to know what you, I want to know what your thoughts are here. This is a, this is a big game. There's a, this is a weekend that's got some some good games. LSU, Texas, and yep. although no one's really talking about it, I think Cincinnati, Ohio State's a sneaky right. good game, a really sneaky good. Yeah. So, um, but this one's definitely on the radar. Nobody's calling this sneaky in a way, in, in any shape or form. Um, what are your thoughts? A and M can A and M come in and uh, and do what most people think is impossible. Oof, man. I mean, I, I look at the game last year, and I mean, no one thought AM had a chance. And they were an inch away from winning the football game, or at least sending it to overtime. And I think a lot of people surprised, but so much has changed since it happened that game. Like, ETN had like eight carries that game. Trevor Lawrence played half on the, the game. Yeah. Justin Ross played like one snap, I think, or had one target. Um, so, but then on the, on the flip side, like a lot has changed with A&M. There've been a couple A&M players that have come out this week and have guaranteed a win, which Mm. was a little disturbing, (laughs) but is that um, that how Jimbo likes it down there? I mean, Jimbo always seems like he's a little, little loose anyways, but I don't, I don't think he's, he's uh, loose with letting his players let their lips fly on stuff like that. Is he? No, no, no. He's more. He's a little more wired, like Saban, where if a player does that, he's he's going to be mad about that. Um, but why but, does it seem why does it seem like Jimbo is a, be much easier? Yeah, I agree with you on that. But it seems like Jimbo's like a lot easier guy that you'd want to be hanging. Like I don't know if I want to be in a room with Saban very long. Like I sure. feel like the walls would be cr- closing in on me if I was like in my office with Saban. Whereas Jimbo, I think <laughs> yeah. I would feel a little bit. More at ease. <laughs> I think it might be more the accent, the southern draw kind of thing, and then yeah, I know it's Saban's Ohio, hashtag Ohio guy. I, I should right. feel at home with him, but I don't. <laughs> or, or I, I've never been in a room alone with Nick Saban, but I can hey. tell you right now, if it happened, I would not feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about the southern people that people just love. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. No, but yeah, it's the game. I mean, like. Mike Elko, I think, and Notre Dame fans might hate me for saying this, he is one crazy, 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 crazy good defensive coordinator. They'll all he, agree with you, but they will, they, they're going to break something as I agree with you. 
right? And uh, what he was able to do with A&M's defense last year cannot be understated. They had a top five rush defense, and um, I mean, I thought they had some of the worst cornerbacks in all football, and they were still able to be somewhat formidable at times. Yeah, so, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, he he came in after our disaster 2016 season. And look yeah. what they did in 2000. I mean, For Mike Elko it was an, was known as an up and comer at defense, as a defensive coordinator uh, for a reason. He was the reason. Right. There was a reason why his name came off everybody's lips, uh, and he's he proved it at Notre Dame, and he's proven it right now at A and M. Yeah, he's uh, he's whether he's got the chops to be a head coach or not, I don't know. Um, he had that great line. You know, it, it's it's a damn shame Miami, the Miami game in 2017 was. Mm-hmm you know, a house of horrors because they got him on a mic out in midfield talking to the team, mm-hmm. talking just mad shit. Yeah. And just, it, it was fantastic. It was, you know, right. you don't get the fans don't get that. Those honest moments from coaches, you know, sure. and that's not bulletin bull material. That's every coach in America, every coach, but mo- a lot of coaches in America, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're out there in the middle of the field, talking to your team, getting them ready to go to war. Sure. And what he said was dead on. You know, and had us all bouncing off the walls. Unfortunately, the game didn't go right. The guy can coach. The guy can certainly coach. For sure. And I, I think the reason why Notre Dame fans don't even really care about Elko anymore is because Clark <laughs> Lee's done such a good job. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, like, who's Elko? You like, know what I mean? It was like, hey, you're, you're, thanks for bringing your little buddy. We, uh, we really like him, too. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, maybe it's a win-win at the end of the day or, you know, whatever. But, you know, maybe Lee's a better fit at Notre Dame than, than, El- than Elko at was I mean, I don't. He was only there a year. It's hard to say if the guy was a real fit or not. But uh, obviously, with what went down afterwards, maybe not so much. But you know, Clark Lee certainly plays the part of it. You know, Vanderbilt grad. He's he's no uh, no stranger to to guys with you know in the locker room that have to make grades and stuff like that. So, one of the things that stood out to me, and uh, I talked to the players uh, at Notre Dame's parent. Um, and one of the crazy things he told me, this is a player that was getting recruited by uh, all the big-time schools you can think of. And he told me that Mike Elko was far and above the best recruiter that he had ever seen. And this is someone that met Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, all these big-time coaches. He said Mike Elko just could command a room, and he's not going to dance around. He's going to tell you how it is. and. I wasn't really expecting that. And then you, you couple that with what he's able to do. I mean, you talk about saving two defenses that were horrible, 2016 Notre Dame and then 2017 Texas A&M. Right, that's a big resume really battle right there, yeah. That with recruiting. And that and what he did at Wake Forest. I mean, just the, yeah. the fact that he had good defenses at Wake Forest, which I don't yeah. care how good a recruiter you are, it's just not a place you can get – you know, a, a handful of good, no. good of, of great talent. And I was told that he came close to taking the the, the Bengals defensive coordinator job uh, this offseason. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that I, I think this he's is He's ambitious. He's very, could, he is a yeah. very ambitious person. He wants to be a head coach in, foot, in college football or he wants to be a coordinator in NFL. I think he has high aspirations, which is interesting. Yeah, it's well known. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, 
we beat around the bush a little bit, but let's get a prediction on that A and M Clemson game. I, I want look. I I tried to get Jessica Smetana on the show uh, uh, to kind of you know just me playing uh, fight playing me. Ca- yeah playing team chaos here. Uh, <laughs> Clemson on one side, A and M on the other, both uh, in in our Notre Dame world. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, Je- Jessica couldn't make it. So <laughs> you're you're the you're the star. Right here, Carter. You are the star of the show. Oh. Uh, what's your What's your prediction for the game? I hate this. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the, all the pressure. In you, the can, world. you know what? You this is a Notre Dame podcast. I I don't know. Maybe some A and M people will listen to this. I'll, I'll, we do pretty good SEO. We talked about Elko. You know, okay. But um, uh, but you know, you go with your heart if you need to, buddy. It's okay. I do. I, I do it every week. Just wait till I predict our Georgia win. Okay, so I'm going to predict two results. I'm, I'm cheap. Um, if Clemson wins, I think no, You're the guy win. that shows up at the game without tickets, so you're <laughs> <laughs> making money to get in. No, you're covering your bets on both sides. You're smart, Carter. You're a smart guy. Oh, I know, I know. I've got, I've got stories, but, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think there's going to be two different results. Like, if – I think there's a chance Clemson just right out of the gate, they're up 14 nothing. They win like 37-17, you know, not really a close game for the most part. Uh, maybe A&M scores a late touchdown, 37-17. Then I think there is an outcome where A&M comes out and it's pretty even. And I think if they're able to kind of quiet the crowd and have that belief like they did last year, like last year they came out and they, they took it to them. So, I think if that happens, A&M can skate by with like a 31-27 kind of win. But my gut's telling me Clemson wins like 37-17 or 37-20, something like that. Um, They're just too good. A&M still has got questions in their secondary um, and uh, their offensive line. A&M's offensive line is not very good at all. So uh, I think Clemson should – their defense will will be pressuring Mond all day and night. So, but it'll be. I think it'll be a closer game than most expect. I feel like I'm jumping all around here, but that's all right. Um, I, I I took Clemson twenty seven twenty, in in our staff picks. I, I threw those games in there. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, right. I I just I just think that the level of play on a and if there's a if there's a lack of Compared on the roster, talent-wise or whatever, I, I think A and M rises up um, a little bit. I just—it's a tough environment. Death Valley is insane. Right. Kellen Mond, I mean, he very well might be the most underrated quarterback in football. He put up 450 yards on Clemson last year. His deep ball is unbelievably af- accurate, and if he's able to do what he did last year, I think A and M's defense is is good enough to hold on. But um, I just, you know, he struggles with consistency sometimes, and that's why he's not widely regarded as a top 10 quarterback in college football. But I think he's got that kind of talent. Uh, just kind of, it kind of depends how good AM secondary is and then what we see from Kellen Mond. I think those are kind of the two factors, but okay. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. We're starting to run a little bit out of time here. I got, I want you to, I got three, give me some quick answers here, okay? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Texas A&M's moved the SEC. Is it probably, would you consider that the best realignment move in college football? 
Um, who would you compare that to? Like I don't know anybody Nebraska else. <laughs> and, yeah, but, it, for sure. I mean, A and M was in Texas's shadow for many many years, and uh, ever since they've made the move, they've had a Heisman Trophy winner. They are one of the highest grossing uh, athletic departments. They're like a top two grossing uh, in terms of revenue athletic department in the country. And um, just their brand has grown substantially. I think it's funny to talk to people around Notre Dame and, uh, and other places that aren't from Texas. They, they still kind of think view A&M in the same light as some smaller schools like Arkansas, Ole Miss, things like that. But a lot of people are shocked to hear that they've got an enrollment of 65,000 yeah, uh, students. Huge they've, got a, they've got a stadium that fills 110,000. They have enough money to pay head coach 10, uh, 10 years, 75 million. <laughs> oh, they, they, got, they got that Texas money. Yeah, so that Texas money. they've got the money, they've got the influence, they've got the elite coach, and I think they're finally starting to build that notoriety that had been missing. Uh, and all those other factors are helping that. They're going to recruit better, would, all that. You would say that statement's probably correct. That they, of all the realignment moves made, in, a, in the overall grand scheme of it all, A&M probably made out the best. Yeah, yeah, no okay. doubt. Okay. And, uh, and at the time, people were like, oh, I don't know, man. You, you're wanting to lose to Alabama and LSU every year. but No, I, I remember the yeah. arguments pretty well. So right. one of the things about realignment that, you know, took chunks of my soul out uh (laughs) you know was you know some of the games that i'm a call i mean i am a college football fan first notre dame fan second i I really am been that way my whole life Uh, i'll watch anything love it and i love rivalry games and so i I think you know where i'm getting at Uh giving a&m longhorns no longer there you know so I, i guess who is your who is a&m's big rival right now i mean (laughs) is it it is it a a school that can be a rival for 30 40 years well i I still think texas is our biggest rival right but you you can't be rivals and and you can hate each other Notre Dame Michigan is is a classic example of that but you can't really be rivals if you're not playing yeah, at these, yes. it's, it is the most unique rivalry at the moment just because it's like, how are they not playing? But I think if you were to say who's the team that they play often that's the rival, I think it's now become LSU because they're always the last game of the season. They've kind of filled that void of Texas. And for for the first six years... Kind of helping out LSU in a way too, right? Keep Taking some of that spotlight off the LSU Bama. Yes. <laughs> kind of give LSU a bit, little bit of a... More attainable goal than having a topple yep. Nick Saban. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it really wasn't a rivalry because LSU was just kicking their butt every year. But last year's game was just so unbelievably epic that, I mean, AM has cups in their stadium now that they're giving out that say 74 72 oh, uh, nice. every game. Uh, I mean, LSU, that's an epic game. I mean, that game is historical by, by yeah. leaps and bounds. And, and LSU is not happy about it. Uh, so, you know, this is the first year LSU is going to serve alcohol in their stadium. a and going to go their last game of the year. And I think there might be 
<laughs> the death count might be uh, <laughs> high from that game because it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be an insane environment. But yeah, I really think that is a rivalry okay. that's going to start gaining some steam. Good, good. I mean, and look, we need more of it. Although I, I still, you know, shed a tear for for the lost rivalries, uh, Kansas, Missouri. Yeah. Um, look for for every game every year for every year for since like fucking 2008, uh, I have had like a, you know, a, a certain drink called out a certain cocktail, if you will. Um, and to, to the rivals point, like USC, our biggest rival, I created a drink. It's called Trojan blood. It's gin and Mountain Dew code red Carter. If you haven't had it, you need to get it. Um, <laughs> USC, USC week. You're going to have to be chugging some Trojan blood. Um, but is there, is there a, uh, you know, you're a free man tomorrow, man. You got you got no South Bend Tribune uh, duties to pull. You are out there living living your life. Is there a go to drink for you tomorrow night? Oh man, maybe some Dasani water. <laughs> it's gonna be hot. <laughs> I, 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 I knew you'd <laughs> knew you throw it down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not much of a drinker, so um, I don't know uh, to be honest with you. Okay. But. I'm gonna be drinking some water, so uh, th- that's that's gonna be my plan. What is what is the temperature tomorrow, or was it, around game time? Was it supposed to be? At, um, you know, I heard like 95, 97, something like that. And I'm wearing a black shirt uh, for some reason. I, I didn't even think about it when I packed. Go buy so I'm another be hot. one. You, be, you better just go get a different I'll shirt. Just buy a Clemson shirt. Wear that. You know, blend in. Just, <laughs> or wear the wear the black shirt. Just do a do a Josh Wool special. Cut off the sleeves, just start slicing nice. and dicing it so it's holy as shit. I mean, just go straight <laughs> redneck. I got no problem living that life when it's that hot. Like, look, man, my body needs to breathe. So I could I could show up shirtless, so maybe they'd like that. I don't know. There you go. Hey. I <laughs> I get on I TV. Know, I, I don't know how the hell you can handle being in that kind of weather with that beard. I I get like a five o'clock shadow in heat and I'm losing my mind thinking my, my feet are gonna itch off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I don't have a thick, hefty beard, so I'm. It's enough. I mean, I grew up in Texas. Just get that, just get that itch, right? Uh, well, it's really. I mean, growing up in Texas, hundred. I mean, and A and M is close to Houston, so it is crazy humid down there. It's even right. hotter there in Dallas, uh, and so I'm used to it. Uh, it's the cold that I'm more like. Oh, what's going on here? What's this 10 degree weather? What? See, so I'll, I'll wear the same clothes in 110 degree weather as I will 15. Just walk out. Shorts, t shirt. I, I, I listen, I, <laughs> I don't brag about my my physical traits, uh, yeah. but I can take some weather. Uh, okay. <laughs> I could I, I could I could survive a little bit of weather. All so, right. I cannot. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't hold you up much longer, man. I'm, I'm glad you're down there. Going to have a good time. So, uh, yes, thank you so much for coming on onto the show. And you, look, you guys can catch, uh, you can catch the the uh, the beautiful voice of Carter. Now, was that every week? Now you're going to do extra points on the Pot of Gold podcast. I am. Yep. Every Friday. Okay. And that's on the same uh, same feed as the as the Pot of Gold, right? There's that. Yep. A, there's so, that if, if you are subscribed to the Pot of Gold you will also get our Extra Point podcast. It's me and Tom Noy, the columnist at the Tribune. So Underratedly yep. funny, Tom Noy. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's a funny dude. I, I uh, he was giving me a hard time <laughs> from our trip, so uh, I got him back. I made fun of his age on the last podcast, so you might listen to that. <laughs> well, he's like twice your age, isn't he? At least. At least, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> well, I think I'm damn near twice your age. <laughs> well, Eric Hansen likes to remind me that his grandson is like 10 years younger than me. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, man. <laughs> They're going to keep you in line there. Yeah. Well, well, all right. Well, thanks again, Carter. I really appreciate you you coming on here. And, uh, yeah. and uh, it's going to be a fun uh, college football weekend. We'll get right back into the thick of things next week uh, with big, bad New Mexico coming to town. Oh, baby. Can't oh, wait. yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no Bob Davey, New Mexico, which is the – the only part of the whole thing was good. I know. Uh, well, you'll see the four quarterbacks, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we still have that. You know, I, I was just kind of wishing of getting like a little bit of a Hugh Freeze action uh, out of yes. Bob, but I, I think yes. Bob's got a little more decorum uh, <laughs> than Hugh does. <laughs> I saw Hugh going at some people on Twitter today. He was mad that people were like, "That's what uh, got him in trouble to begin with." He needs to stay the hell away from there. I know. I. <laughs> I I challenge anyone. I know. I think it's a great. Challenge accepted. I think it's great for him. Like it's getting Liberty a lot of exposure and probably good for recruiting. But like it, it's it's still kind of weird that he's concerned with what like people with a hundred followers are thinking about him. <laughs> so he never, he never struck me as someone who wasn't petty enough. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Uh, All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, we're gonna end this. Go out. Yep. All right.